You're listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7. And making your news headlines. There is a major police hunt for a group of three men after a 43-year-old man was stabbed in an Adelaide home. The man was rushed to hospital by paramedics and anyone with any information is urged to call Crime Stoppers. A lane on the M7 motorway in Western Sydney has been closed after a car burst into flames early this morning. Both outbound lanes of the motorway were shut down just past Elizabeth Drive at Cecil Hills. A Melbourne blogger is set to face charges of defacing a memorial of rape and murder victim Eurydice Dixon. The police bomb squad were called to Preston in Melbourne's north last night after concerns of a bus in Northland Shopping Centre. The car park was closed as a safety check while police searched the bus. Melbourne drivers might be made to slow down to 30 kilometres an hour in residential areas following research from Monash University, which found pedestrians hit at 30 kilometres an hour in comparison to 40 kilometres per hour nearly halve their chances of dying. And in weather, destructive winds of up to 125 kilometres an hour will hit South Australia, Victoria and Tasmania today. Already, gusts are approaching 100 kilometres an hour and they have been reported earlier this morning. And now we have Sarah with our foreign news. Thanks, Bethany. A third earthquake in just over a week has hit the Indonesian island of Lombok. At least 275 people were killed in the first two earthquakes, which measured 6.4 and 6.9 on the Richter scale respectively. The US government will impose new sanctions on Russia in response to the nerve agent attack on a former Russian agent and his daughter in the UK. The US says they have determined Moscow was responsible and thus violated international law. And now for some good news. Three of the boys and their coach from the Thai cave soccer team have been granted Thai citizenship. The soccer team was trapped in flooded caves for up to 18 days before they were rescued. And now to Celine with entertainment. Thanks, Sarah. Pop star Demi Lovato has cancelled her remaining tour dates as she continues to seek help after overdosing. Rapper Travis Scott has broken his silence on leaving out transgender model Amanda Lepore from his Astroworld cover art, thanking the model and sharing the original cover on Instagram. And nearly two years after two years together, keeping up with the Kardashian star Courtney Kardashian and model Eunice Benjima have called it quits. Australian actress Ruby Rose has been cast as Batwoman in a new CW series, which will be the DC's first openly gay superhero. Meghan Markle's half-sister Samantha Markle is back at it again, comparing her to Cruella Deville. Pretty Little Liars star Troyan Belisario and Suits actor Patrick J. Adams are expecting their first child together. And back home, Pink has cancelled her second Sydney concert after being hospitalised and diagnosed with a gastric virus. More on this later in the show. To sports now, Australian golfer Jared Lyle has passed away aged 36 after a long battle with leukaemia. Melbourne Storm star Billy Slater has announced he will retire from the NRL at the end of the season. In footy news, West Coast's Andrew Gaff has received an eight-week suspension at the AFL Tribunal for an off-the-ball punch that left Fremantle's Andrew Brayshaw with a broken jaw. North Melbourne midfielder Sean Higgins is on track to return to football just a week after undergoing knee surgery. Collingwood's Jordan Dugowie is back from a leg injury to take on Brisbane on Saturday night. 
In some more good news for Collingwood, James Aish is set to return for his first game since suffering a knee injury back in round six. Richmond's ruckman Toby Nankervis is out of the side due to injury, but they have had some handy inclusions, including Premiership star Basha Hawley and Nathan Broad. Hawthorne's Sean Burgoyne will be playing on in 2019, signing a one-year contract extension. Now to some soccer news. In a press conference yesterday, Socceroos coach Graham Arnold says taking, a, taking charge of the Ollie Roos will not distract him from his main focus with the national team. And that's all for sports news. Now guys, we all know here that I don't know politics. I make no secret of it. I don't get politics. Neither do I. Don't worry, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I need a friend like Sarah who actually does get politics. So, Sarah, what's been making news in the political world? So, Bethany, the Great Barrier Reef Foundation, which up until now hasn't really ever got much media attention, has been dominating headlines this week. I'm sure you've both been hearing the name crop up. Yeah. Uh, all, all this week. <laughs> and so why is this foundation, like, suddenly in the spotlight now? So, back in April, the government announced they were awarding the foundation a $444 million grant. However, it's been a bit controversial. Why would this be controversial? Aren't most people in favour of the reef? Most people are, but the controversy isn't about spending money on the reef, but who receives the money and why they were chosen. There was no competitive tender process for the grant. The Great Barrier Reef Foundation has said they were surprised when the money was offered to them during a meeting between the foundation's chair, John Schubert, and Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and Environment and Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg. What exactly does a competitive tender process mean? So it means that other foundations and groups that work to protect the reef never got the chance to apply for the grant. And the Great Barrier Reef Foundation themselves never actually asked for the money. It's kind of like if a university had a new scholarship on offer, but instead of emailing students, inviting them to apply and letting them know that this scholarship existed, the board or vice chancellor or whoever came to a decision and approached the student and said, hey, you've been awarded a scholarship that you didn't know existed. It's not to say the student who was awarded the scholarship wasn't the best candidate. They very well may have been. But from an outsider's perspective, it's difficult to know if they were or not because other students weren't given the chance to apply and the fact the scholarship existed was never announced. That's the same criticism that groups are putting forward about the lack of a competitive tender process for this fund to protect the reef. And who are these critics? So the Labor Party has actually called for the foundation to return the money. Labor's environment spokesman Tony Burke has launched a petition called Return the Reef Money. In a submission to the Senate inquiry examining the grant, lawyers from Environmental Justice Australia have argued that the money should have been classified as procurement. So this is all legal speak, but basically what it means is that they're arguing that the money was classified incorrectly, it shouldn't have been a grant, and therefore there should have been a tender process. The foundation's link to fossil fuel companies have also come under fire. Australian Conservation Foundation economist Matt Rose told news.com.au it will allow fossil fuel companies to be linked to a reef charity, the biggest funder of reef science, when climate change is actually the largest threat to the reef. How has the foundation and the government responded? So the foundation has said they are clear that climate change is the biggest threat to the reef. 
Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull said the Great Barrier Reef Foundation is an outstanding organisation and that this has been completely transparent. He pointed to the fact it was considered and passed by Parliament, the nearly 100-page agreement between the Foundation and the Government about how the money will be spent, and the fact that the Australian National Audit Office will have oversight. Thanks for the update, Sarah. My name is Sarah Ruth and I'm here with Bethany Hayes and Celine Farah. And right now we're talking about what's been making a lot of news this week, which is New Zealand's Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. She's had her return to uh, office, her first week back since the birth of her daughter, Neve. She took six weeks off for maternity leave and her return has definitely dominated news this week. Mm -hmm. It sure has. But I guess I just kind of wanted to talk a little about kind of the differing responses we have to women returning to work once they're mothers and men being at work when once they're fathers. And I feel like it's a not exactly equal playing not field. Not exactly equal. I feel like there still is that expectation that once a woman has a child, she needs to stay home and look after that child before she returns to work. Or if she does return to work quite quickly, she may be, you know, perceived as not caring so much about her child. Yeah, they're often frowned upon, like, compared to the men. Yeah, exactly. Who are often praised, even. Exactly. Oh, yeah. every, if a man is a stay-at-home father, I feel like there's a lot of praise. and like, yeah. Or even just, I feel like I'm so sick of reading interviews with celebrities that praise them for being a hands-on father. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the standard. Like, that's the expectation. If you have a child, you need to be there for that child and you need to look after them mm-hmm. and provide them with, like, the love and support that a child needs exactly. you shouldn't be praised for like attending their soccer games it like that's, a, a that's the norm thing, definitely and for mothers they're not praised for that mm-hmm. and there's always this idea of like oh how can you like um like whenever a male politician has a newborn baby there's mm-hmm. never a oh how are you going to manage because the it's expectation that is question. that oh it's the wife who's going to look after that baby. Mm-hmm. But whenever a woman, like Jacinda Ardern, when she announced her pregnancy, there were people who criticised it and mm. said yeah. that she shouldn't have a baby while she's the Prime Minister because there is that... Uh, when they say that, they're basically kind of implying that she should be the primary caregiver. Yeah. Exactly. And Subtly, I feel like that is the implication. And also something interesting to note is that 95% of fathers don't take their entitled two weeks paid leave. Which I think is really sad in today's age. Like, men should be able to take at least those two weeks off mm. to spend with two their weeks is newborn baby. In because if they're not able to take this, and some of it, some it is, I guess, because they choose not to, but like surveys have shown there was a survey by um, Deloitte and it showed that more than 1,000. Uh, sorry, more than one third of the thousand respondents said they felt taking leave would jeopardise their position. So this isn't to blame men. There's cultural issues, cultural attitudes at play. But it's just the idea that men not taking this paternity leave, it reinforces the idea that the woman's job is to raise the the child or the children and that when men step in and be a hands-on father, it's a bonus. Exactly. Yeah, and the survey also said that they would be perceived as like they were worried they'd perce- be perceived as a lack of like as a uh, 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 uh. <laughs> wow can I speak today? It would be perceived as a lack of commitment and also yeah that forty one percent worried they would lose opportunities on projects and that's really sad. I think I think that's, that's really, really sad, sad because men deserve to be able to be part of their child's upbringing exactly. And I think when you have cultural attitudes like this, not only is it unfair on women and that it can make 
it harder for women to return to work as Jacinda Ardern has received a lot of praise but there's also <laughs> been some criticism and then it's not it's just not fair on anybody because mm. then men aren't getting to spend the time that they deserve with their families so exactly I think we need to change our attitudes a little bit this week's hot or not and I reckon we should start with the red card in AFL what do we think of that I wow. really... <laughs> you go first, Bethany. <laughs> we all know me and my superb AFL knowledge. Can someone please educate me on this? Well, basically this has come up a lot this week due to the Andrew Gaff off-the-play punch on Andrew Brayshaw. Yeah. And basically, Brayshaw obviously went off straight away. He was mm-hmm. severely injured. Yeah, he's um he's his broken jaw. his jaw. Broke his jaw. I think he lost and some, some teeth. Some of his teeth. Um, I think they managed to save them, but they were he kind of pushed in. He yeah. couldn't. He couldn't take his mouth guard out oh, because of goodness. how kind of injured his mouth was. He can't eat solids for four, four weeks. weeks. So like it's it's a pretty wow. serious so, injury. Yeah. Yes, so pretty severe. Naturally, it's brought up questions mm-hmm. of should there be a red card because other major sports. I mean, like soccer is the most notable example. Mm-hmm. If you do something that is, and in soccer, it doesn't even. It's nothing. Like if you did, it's not even something that drastic in soccer. Mm. It's just if you do a particularly dangerous slide, yeah. slide tackle, Whereas, someone's jaw does not have to be broken yeah. for you to be sent off yet in AFL. Because here, Brayshaw had to stay off the whole game, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. but Gaff but was Gaff, all, Gaff kept was playing. Allowed, he's allowed to play, keep playing because so, so there's kept, no rule in place for playing. that. Yeah. Yeah. So Whoa. because um, umpires in the AFL do not have the authority to send players off. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot of debate this week about whether or not we should have a red card. I personally am for it. Mm-hmm. I think if you deliberately injure someone. I'm not saying I, I don't believe personally that Gaff went out to deliberately break Brayshaw's mm-hmm. jaw. Yeah. I don't think many people think that at all. But he did. It was a deliberate punch. He did. He, he said that he was trying to just hit him in the chest. Mm-hmm. But still, he took Brayshaw out of action. It was off the play. was off the ball. It wasn't part of play. You know, mm-hmm. they went yeah. running to get the ball. It wasn't part of the tackle. Um, I think that if he's taken Brayshaw off, then he should have to go off as well. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. You have convinced me. And then another thing as well that's been cropping up in the AFL, this I'm kind of on the other side. I don't agree mm-hmm. with the... I think that the penalty is too harsh. So, so it's, it's not hot. <laughs> it's not, it's not hot. <laughs> so it's Aaron Francis's $2,000 fine for the bump that he did in the last game. I'm personally, I don't think he should have mm-hmm. got fined. What about you guys? No, definitely not. I mean, I've only seen one replay of that, but I reckon that's a not from me. <laughs> well, the bump, like we were saying, it's part of the game. Exactly. And so... I think when the match review officers are putting fines on this, like it was a textbook bump. It was a great bump. It's part of football. Like when you it's go on footy. the field, <laughs> when you go on the field, it, I think it's about what you kind of sign up for and what you expect as yeah. an AFL player. When you yeah. walk onto the field, you're not expecting to be punched in the face and yeah. break your jaw. But no. you're expecting to be tackled. You're, you're expecting expe- to be bumped. And you're not expected to be a soft player. Like, do you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Just get the ball. Like. Well, I mean, like, my first game at AFL, I got knocked out. Like, <laughs> I got knocked like, fully <laughs> so out. Sad. So, like, of course you got – it's a physical game. Yeah, and, like, exactly. of course with bumps, there, there it doesn't need to be rules. Yeah. Yeah. You do need to protect players' heads. But, Brent, as he went in low, he didn't hit the guy's head. I'm like, I don't think it should have been a fine because I think that you can't. I'm with you there. It's threatening the bump. It's part of, part of AFL, I'd say. 100%. Yep. And what about getting your MP 
to send you portraits of Queen Elizabeth. This has been one of my favourite oh stories my of the week. Can you guys fill me in on this? I'm actually okay, not so sure. basically Vice, I believe it was, who broke mm-hmm. the story, found out that basically because of some like quirk in our country's laws, oh gosh. <laughs> na- um, MPs are required to provide their constituents with nationhood material, which refers to things like Nas- uh, our national flag, our mm-hmm. national anthem. Uh, so you can, you, yeah, you can get like them to send you a CD recording of our anthem Guys. and get this portraits of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so now I M- love it so much. Since this story broke, MPs' offices have been inundated with requests for portraits of our Queen. She is so cute. She, <laughs> she is I see, lovely. I see where they're coming from. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. I think, I think like it might. It's gonna start getting annoying, and yeah. it is like you know, it is using taxpayer money. Yeah, so maybe that you know. That, you know, resources may be fine, so we could probably be using them for better things, but it's still hot to me. Always yeah. a hot. And I just think it's such an Australian <laughs> thing. Like, find out something silly like this, just, like, and run with it. it for all it's worth. Yeah, exactly. So funny. Exactly. What about contactless payment? Like, with, like, tap and go and pay wave and stuff? Exactly. Oh, it's so bad, but so It's good. a little bit it's dangerous, so dangerous because, <laughs> you know, I used to be really, really careful when I was paying by card. I'd check that the amount on the little machine reflected what I was buying. Now, with, you know, this contactless payment, I'm just tapping away. It's like, so easy that you just feel like, okay, it's so good. Yeah, it's like when you've got the actual cash in your wallet, you can see it disappearing. Yeah. Exactly. But with time go, I'm like, yeah, uh, whatever. Doesn't matter. Exactly. Oh. Like, you actually don't even, you don't even see it going and you're like, but oh, honestly, limitless. I still think it's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just it love the convenience. So it's so easy. And you I'm not pulling out cash like that. Yeah, I know. And I'm not like, going to lie, like, when, um, when I was working like customer service, whenever someone would pay and then mm-hmm. they'd want to like insert their card or oh, swipe their card, it's a little bit. You know, it was so annoying. I, guess, I, I was agree. like, really? Can't, I can't you just tap it? I mean, I didn't say that. Dangerous, but convenient. I yeah, think convenient. That's what we're going to say. Also, our population hit 25 million this week. Hot or not? Ooh. I would say. I'm a bit torn with this, really? I think. Fair yeah, enough. I would say that's a hot. I reckon Australia's got lots of land and I feel like. I think we do have good. lots of land, but I don't think we necessarily have. I feel like right at the moment that our radar population is growing, like, mm. I feel like our infrastructure isn't quite there yet. I mean, anyone yeah, that's who's... that's a good point. That is <laughs> dry, a good point. Dry, like, I'm driving in Melbourne traffic. traffic. So I know, that's just what I'm thinking of, traffic. That's torn. Like, okay, um, you make yeah. a good point, traffic. Yeah. So, like, obviously population growth, like, is good, but... I think we just need to build roads to cope with it. Yeah, more <laughs> infrastructure, then it'll be yeah. definitely hot. We'll be talking about a topic that's been making a lot of news in the sports world this week, and that is the AFLW fixture. So the proposals for this first came out a little while back, but it's been getting a lot of media attention this week, and a lot of the players are pretty unhappy with what's been proposed. So what exactly is happening? Yeah, please so- educate me. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, like, the AFLW is going to be expanding, which is the great news. There are mm-hmm. so many talented female mm-hmm. footy players out there who deserve to, ha- you know, deserve to play footy at an elite level, yeah. like AFLW. Definitely. So North Melbourne and Geelong are going to be entering the competition. So it's going to go from eight teams to ten teams. Well, that's awesome. That's exactly. good. That's really good. So logically, when you add more teams, you would add more games in the home and away season. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't what is happening. It's not set in stone yet, but what is currently being tossed around at the moment is that the home and away season is going to be divided into a conference. So basically, um, all the teams won't play each other. The competition will be kind of like split in half. And it means that um, you won't play every team. 
in the they home won't and away play season. every team. No, so you won't even get to verse everyone. And oh, is that even like allowed? Like, how does this work? I know. And get this: if they don't make finals, they only get six matches. Six matches. Say you suffer a minor injury and you're out for two, four matches. Can you really call that a I, season? That's so I'm, true. I'm sorry, but I I think it's a complete joke. And a lot of the players are saying the same thing. We've got Daisy Pierce, who. You know, she was the face of the yeah, launch of the exactly. AFLW. She has done so much for yeah. raising the profile of women's footy. She's an absolute legend and she has hit out with this and I totally get why. She, um, I believe she told, she was, she was having an interview on the radio and she said that this is presented as the female elite professional offering by the AFL and it has been lauded as that when in reality this is a gimmicky tournament. So that's pretty agree. big words to call the AFLW a gimmicky tournament. But I see where she's coming like from Like you this. said, they've come six so matches. far with exactly. just even having this. And now they're getting six matches to play. Like, I know, exactly. Like that's oh. what um, that Collingwood player, Georgie Parker, when the preseason is twice as long as the actual season, something is wrong. And she's nailed oh, it that on the head it, there. That sums it up perfectly. I know. It's kind of just stupid. I know. These six players matches. work so hard. And I personally, I think it's insulting to their professionalism. It's their dedication honestly. to the sport. These are elite football players. Mm-hmm. The elite this, of the elite. Like, this isn't, you know, kids Sunday sport. But even kids Sunday sport. I get we had like games. twelve. I know exactly. Like, so many more than six. I just think I think it's offensive and it's disrespectful to the amount of work, the sacrifices that these girls are making. Let's not forget that you don't necessarily get drafted to a team that's in your home state. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Some players have had to move interstate and to have to move interstate to play six games. They'd be thinking, is it even worth it? Exactly. Honestly. That's exactly what they'd be thinking. Because, yeah. um, like, how can it be? Yeah. And I know that the sacrifices that they make, I know um, I was listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast by, um, it's presented with, um, I think, in collaboration with the ABC. If anybody hasn't listened to it, 10 out of 10, recommend. <laughs> Get on um, that. And yeah, it's, a, it's the AFL podcast. Um, and it's run by all women, hence why it's called The Outer Sanctum. It's really interesting to listen to. And they were talking about this. And um, one, one of the um, presenters said that um, Daisy Pierce, apparently, she's actually not played VFLW this season in order really? to be like prepare properly for the AFLW. For the six matches. Exactly. So what a joke to her. Like, because obviously, like, in most elite, um, in most sporting teams, you're not allowed to play other sports. Like, you know, because there is the risk of injury. Most of your sign of contract that you're not allowed to do any dangerous sports, anything in case you get injured. Yeah. Um, So... These girls are having to make sacrifices. Daisy Pierce is going all year not playing footy, and then she's not even getting to play it. So, personally, a bit of a joke. <laughs> I yeah, think that the AFL needs to respect these women as their professional footballers. They are, and give them a season that reflects the hard work they put in. I'm with you, and guys, you need to hear about my latest obsession. Yes, please. What's <laughs> happening? All about it. It is Leanne Moriarty's book, Big Little Lies. Now, my mum actually got me onto this. So my mum got me to into the show. So. Oh, my God, crazy. <laughs> to give you all a little bit of an insight into what this book is about, basically, there are a lot of politics involved with the playground, with the school. <laughs> I find this stuff so fascinating. Same. Like, actually. So like, I always try to be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know, I'd always try to get it out of my pants. I'd be like, so like, I'm like, tell Did me about it. I'm like, what happened to the school <laughs> pickup? Actually, actually, so you get, you know, the stay-at-home mums that are just so elaborately dressed. You know, you have the you have the working mums. You have the gifted children. You have the children who, you know, may be accused of being bullies. You have a complete mix. And basically the premise is, you know, from the very start, so this isn't a spoiler, that there's been a murder. The trivia night has resulted... In a murder. Oh my gosh. Bit of a shock, right? Mm-hmm. And this the- is some intense playground <laughs> politics. I know. This I know. is not what I was referring I to at my school. Kind of <laughs> like the playground on steroids. And something I love that Mori- Moriarty does in most of her books that I've read is she has so many different perspectives. So you really do see it from everyone oh, that's so involved. All the different characters. Exactly. Oh, I love that. And something else that I love that she does, she actually has, at the start of, I think it's every chapter, she has like a little snippet of an interview with a police person. So like all the different parents and they're Ooh. denying things. They're saying, I never trusted her. Or like the teacher should have done something. We could see this coming. I love the way she's constructed this. And I really didn't see the end coming. Oh, no, even with the, the show, end was. Uh, no spoilers. Well, like, <laughs> I was so shocked. Like, is the show good? Oh, it's amazing. I've I'm watched just, a few episodes. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, is it worth reading the book after I've watched the show? Like, well, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know about it now. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who prefers to read the book first because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much detail in books yeah. that movies miss out on. Oh, oh yeah. yes, definitely. Sarah, come on. I feel like you you want to say something about Harry Potter here. I just think that <laughs> I've got a little bit of an argument going on with someone at the moment. <laughs> and a who's trying to tell me that the movies are better than the books. And that is just a lie. categorically incorrect. What do we reckon, <laughs> Celine? What well, do you I've reckon? I've only watched the movies and I love <laughs> them. Sorry. The Harry Potter I'm not saying the movies life. aren't great. The movies are the best. But the books are just so much better. We love the books and I love this book. So if you're interested, head down to your local bookstore. And guys, I feel like we've all heard about Pink having to, you know, take a little break from her incredible concert. Yeah. In Sydney, she had to postpone her show and she has been criticised a fair bit. Yeah, all I've been seeing is backlash, which I find pretty, yeah, I bizarre. think it's a bit unreasonable. Yeah. Exactly. If anyone's seen that show... It is physical to another level. She's not just singing. She is parachuting from the rooftop. Yeah, what does she do? Like, keeps that acrobatic stuff? I'm just thinking, like, I've seen a few clips from, not this one, but maybe, like, her last tour. She's full coming down from the sky. physical shows. Everything. Amazing. And, you know, she she really did go to hospital to to treat dehydration. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, she's more than just a little busy. Exactly. It's It's not a cold. It is a legitimate illness. And I feel like this raises the question, do we have unrealistic expectations for our stars, for the people we go to see. I mean, it's hard because you pay like so much money to go you to these do, concerts yes. and you do have such high expectations. Yeah. So it kind of like lets you, like you just feel a bit disheartened. Yeah, when and you I hear do understand like particularly this. when you have to, like obviously if you live in the city, mm-hmm. it's easy, but not everyone does and people often make travel arrangements That's and plans. That's what I was about to say. That's Something really travelling. So. so I do understand that it can be frustrating, particularly if a cancellation is, or a, I think she's postponed. She's yeah. postponed, yes. So that's um, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. If I do understand that it can be frustrating when it's last minute. Yeah. But 
it she's human yeah these and stars are human we exactly. all get sick i mean do we give like two weeks notice when we call in sick to work yeah. no sometimes no. you wake up in the morning and you're physically not well enough to be able to go to work and that I'm day i'm sure she wouldn't just be doing it to do it do you know what exactly. i mean like she has exactly. a viable reason exactly so and would you rather she performed like a subpar True. performance True. not i'm not saying that as an insult to pink but obviously <laughs> if you're sick no, no. you're not going to be yeah. able to sing properly exactly not going to be able to dance at your best like I, and I think, obviously, her health is the most important thing. And I just feel really like some is. of the criticism, I just, feel like it's unwarranted. Yeah. Like, she's human. I know when we feel sick, we don't have to go and perform. You know, sometimes we can't, can't even face going to uni when we're sick. So true. <laughs> so true. In front of thousands of people. Yeah. It's such a tough job. Like, it's such a tough job. And I feel like we need to give these stars the credit they deserve. So, guys... I don't know about you, but I need a few things to help me survive next week. Definitely. Oh, same. This week has been a struggle. I, I feel like I'm saying that every week, but maybe it's just a little tough for us all. <laughs> anyway, if you need something to get you through next week, I reckon you should have a little bit of a look at these hidden places in Melbourne. Oh, this sounds interesting. <laughs> Done a little bit of research. Something I'm super interested in is the Fitzroy Gardens Conservatory. So it's basically this beautiful conservatory which has five floral displays each year and not many people actually go to it because they don't realise it's there. I've never heard of it, not going to lie. <laughs> That's the proof. first That's time I've heard of this. <laughs> you should actually look up images on the web though because it is beautiful. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Are there any other hidden places? Well, also, if you're into art and, you know, who isn't? <laughs> the Buxton Contemporary Art Gallery is actually located opposite the Melbourne Theatre Company in the CBD. And I think because the Melbourne Theatre Company is such a big attraction, people tend to not cast their eyes across the road. So if you're into any modern art, you should definitely check that out. That sounds awesome. But I also just like the idea, like what you're saying about like exploring hidden places in Melbourne. Like Melbourne mm. has so many beautiful laneways that I reckon this weekend, like if you've got some time, like you don't even have to plan where you exactly. go. There is so many hidden bars and cafes and little shops. And just all so these nooks and crannies. little stroll and you I know, know, just, open your eyes to Like it. it's you so exciting so when you find things. a new yeah. laneway for the first yeah, time and then you find all these cool places with like gorgeous little cafes. Like I know us three have gone to a cafe in a laneway. That laneway we went to, I'd never heard of it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. seen it or anything. And you don't really, lots of these places don't have a lot of publicity so you don't know about them until you actually get out and see them. Yeah, yeah. they're the kind of places where you kind of know it's good if there's a lot of people exactly. there because it just kind of travels exactly. through word of mouth and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I reckon you've got nothing better to do this weekend than just kind of go to the city with no idea of what you're going to do. There's and something work really lovely about that. There. That sounds like a great idea, yeah. honestly. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid that that brings us to the end of the show for the week, unfortunately. So fast. <laughs> uh, if you liked what you heard, please check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I always forget one of them. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week at the same time. <laughs> You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast. Previously heard live on Sin 90.7.